This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. Flex New Christian Fellowship. Hello and welcome to the Flex New Christian Fellowship, broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay. Today's worship is a all Kiwi package. Souvenirs Worship is up next with For Good. Carry you the road that you walk. 
In Surrender, performed by Equippers Worship.
Come to the River, performed by the Parachute Band. Concluding today's worship, Kiwi singer-songwriter Brooke Lichard-Wood performs Fresh Wind.
Donna Gertzen presents an inspirational sermon extract. Jesus died, so we don't have to. Well, we do celebrate birthdays, don't we? But uh, we also commemorate deaths. We remember the loved ones that have gone before us and we remember them. We also remember famous people, if you like, who have died and gone before us. We remember them for the legacy that they've left behind. But Jesus, he's the only one throughout all history who came back from the dead and is still alive today. Now, okay, some people have been raised from the dead. We know that. You need to read the Bible. There's Lazarus for a start. And many since, even in recent times, people have come back to dead. The only difference is they've died again. And not still alive today. Jesus is. Over 2,000 years. So what does this mean to you? And what does this mean to me? Well, because he died, we don't have to. Physically, yeah. But spiritually, no. And and so we don't need to fear death. Not at all. So you think, well, why do we want to bring people back to life? (laughs) We want to pray. And, you know, maybe if their work isn't finished on earth, they, you know, we can bring them back to life. But for the Christian, death is a victory. It's not a defeat. We get to heaven. We get to go to heaven and be with Jesus. That sounds pretty awesome to me. You know, I'm all for praying for people to have them brought back to life. I believe in the working of miracles. You know, and if that is God's desire for a particular person that we pray for, go for it. But if I'm a shriveled up old prune at 192, (laughs) just let me go already. (laughs) You know, I'm not afraid of death. I'm not so happy about the prospect of dying. So just remember, if you bring me back from the dead, I've got to die twice. I might not be too happy about that. <laughs> Bear that in mind. If I die in the next few years, okay, I'm coming back because I've still got more to do here on the earth. Anyway, there's good news and bad news today. The good news is the gospel. The bad news is if you don't get the good news. <laughs> if you don't receive the good news. The gospel we know, the life story of Jesus. Jesus came, he died, he rose again. He died for our sins because we are all sinners. If we don't receive that blood, it's bad news. It's not good news for us. But Jesus is alive. And uh, I just think that's just so wonderful. So where is he now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And It's just an interesting little point, but in the Holy of Holies, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies once a year. There was no seats in there. He had to stand because there was things to do. But Jesus is sitting. Our great high priest is sitting because it is finished. It is complete. There's no more work for him to do. He's sitting. So why did he die? Jesus gave up all for us who do not deserve one scrap of it by his grace, by his mercy, by his love. Amen. It's just awesome. It, and particularly because it's true. <laughs> true story. So what is Jesus doing today? He's interceding for us. He has risen. He's interceding. He is also preparing a place for us. So what's this place like? Can we have John 14, 1 to 3 up there, please? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, 
that where I am, there you may be also. Different versions will say different things for mansions. Uh, my version says there are many rooms. Some say there are many dwelling places. But where is this mansion or this room or this dwelling place that Jesus is preparing for us? It is, as we see in um, verse 2, it's in God's house. You know, we're actually moving to God's house. It's a good address. And if Jesus is preparing it, it must be good. And, you know, I imagine he's personalizing it for us. I can't imagine every place will be the same. We are all different. Countries are different. Even snowflakes are different. So I imagine our place in heaven in this new Jerusalem will, will be different too. John 14, 3 says, I go to prepare a place for you. You only prepare a place for someone if you're confident that they're going to turn up. I'm not preparing a place for you if you're not coming. Um, but he's preparing a place for us. He knows we are coming. Special. And Jesus was saying this in John 14, 3. He said this after Judas had left. He wasn't preparing a place for Judas. Not everybody is going to get to the Father's house. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. Heaven is not full of lots of big mansions or castles or separate houses. There's not going to be lots of great big ones for some people and small ones for the riffraff that just got in at the last minute. You're not going to get a map from Peter at the gate and a little golf cart to take you, to show you that you live two blocks down and four blocks across. Yeah. We're going to a dwelling place. To describe it better, uh, you, you probably know all this, but if you know how the Jewish weddings were conducted in the day, when you got married, you didn't build yourself a new home. You didn't go and get a rental. You moved to your husband's father's house. And the two families would come together. They'd negotiate a bride. They'd share a glass of wine and seal the bargain. And that meant that this couple is now committed to be married. And at that point, the young man would say to his bride, well, I'm going back to my father's house. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I've prepared a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me as my wife. Jesus, he paid the bride price with his life. It wasn't just a glass of wine. But he's coming back to take us to him, to live with him forever. Only the Father knows the time, the day and the hour that he's to come back and get us. So when we go to heaven, God's not going to live over there and we're going to live 550 blocks that way. We're going to share the same courtyard. We're going to live together. And that's the whole idea of a dwelling place. It's We're not detached, we're attached to the Father's house, right in the same place. And you still think, well, will there be enough room for us all? And what does it say? In my Father's house are many, many, many mansions, many rooms. There's enough room for everybody. There's no overcrowding. If we go to Revelation 21, 16 now, please. The city is laid out as a square. This is the picture of the New Jerusalem. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now, some versions will say stadia. Now, these measurements are meant to be literal. We have um, the next verse, Rachel, um, because they're described as man's measurement. So then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is of an angel. So these are human measurements, also angel measurements. But 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined 
what God has prepared for those who love him. God has so much more. Now, I'm only giving you dimensions of space, and it's huge and wonderful, but that's just, I mean, heaven is more than four walls and an iceberg space. If you look at Revelation 21, 18 to 25, please, Rachel. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, I don't know half of these, the eleventh jacinth and the twelfth amethyst, but they must be quite nice. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Oh, but I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the gates never shut by day. The thing is, Jesus is getting this ready for us right now. John 14, 3 again, please, Rachel. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So he's saying, that I'm not only just going to get it ready, but I'm going to come back and get you to take you there. And now that's a nice thought. He's not just going to send someone, he's coming back himself for us. And something else that's exciting, he's just as anxious, if you put up John 17:24, please, Rachel, he's just as anxious to get back uh, to get us as we are to go, because he's saying here in John 17:24, to his Father, still coming, says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. So he's saying, I want them up here with us. I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. That's what he's saying today. In John 14, verse 4 to 6. And he carries on, he says, And you know the way to, I, away to where I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when Jesus said, you know the way to where I am going. And then when Thomas questioned him about this, Jesus says, I am the way. So if you know Jesus, you know the way. And if you want to know the way, you just need to know Jesus. That means not just knowing about him, but knowing him. So it says back there in John 14, 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So the entire focus of heaven is being reunited with Jesus. Now heaven is heaven, not because of its streets of gold, or its pearly gates, or even the presence of angels. It's because Jesus is there that makes it heaven. So what's in store for the unbeliever? We know what's in store for us. What's in store for the unbeliever? Revelation 21, 27, after the description of the New Jerusalem. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Nothing, my version says, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
You know, a lot of people believe that he is. A lot of people believe that he came and he rose again. But they don't believe that this affects them personally and that they need to respond to that. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? I don't know you're here today. I don't know whether you all know Jesus or not. If you haven't, please hear what he's saying. I believe Jesus said this. He says, I died that people, everyone, everywhere, would have life through me. My greatest sadness is when my sacrifice goes unappreciated. When people scoff, when people say, no, it's not for me. Or there's plenty of time, I'll think about that later. Or I'm too busy right now. I died for you and you don't care. I took your sins from you so you wouldn't need to be judged and you don't care. Your natural life, which lasts for such a short time, is more important than your eternal life, which lasts forever. People may have heard of me, but that's not enough. They may know everything that happened to me, all that I did for them, but that's not enough. They may profess to be a follower of me, but that's not enough. They need to know me. I've given them a free ticket to spending eternity with me, but they need to receive it. No matter how well they know about me, or whether they do things in this life that they think will please me, unless they accept that I've paid the penalty for them personally for their sins and received eternal life from me, unless they then commit their lives to me, making me and not the world Lord of their whole lives, then they face judgment for every sin they have ever committed and eternal death, eternal separation from me. My death for you is a free gift. You don't owe me anything in return. Just receive. I love you. I did this for you because I want you. I need you to be with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Once again, our time has come to an end. We would like to thank Radio Hawks Bay for the opportunity to spread these words of inspiration from our Heavenly Father, God Almighty. Flexman Christian Fellowship. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawks Bay, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.